Open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 10. Last week, we read in John 9, 39, that Jesus said to the Pharisees, For judgment I have come into this world. And we know that his judgment is just and perfectly right. And he judges all men, all those who have heard him, based on their response to him. The self-righteous sniff at the very thought that they even need to be saved from their sins. They don't see themselves as sinners. And if some do see themselves as those who occasionally sin, their sins aren't that bad. Besides, surely their good deeds are going to outweigh their sins. They don't need a Savior. They don't need Him. But the self-judging see ourselves as we are. Fallen in Adam, sinners by birth, sinners by choice. Condemned before God because of the mountain of our sins against God. We know that Isaiah 64, 6 is about us. That all we like have become like unclean things and all of our righteousnesses are filthy rags. Our hearts are so corrupted by sin, by indwelling sin, by native sin, natural sin, sin that we were born in. Our hearts are so corrupted by it that even what we would consider to be our righteousnesses, our worship, our, our praying, our reading of God's word, even those things are filthy with sin. Some agnostic might object and, and try to comfort us and say, don't be so hard on yourself. You're not that bad. Let's put it like this. Suppose that I was to get my sinning down to just three sins a day. Now, that's three times a day. I either violate what God says I should not do or I neglect to do what God says I should do. And so by extreme self-discipline and Pam riding roughshod on me, calling me every 15 minutes to see how I'm doing, I'm able to get my sinning down to just three sins a day. That's far better than I'll ever be able to do. But just to make a point, let's say it's three sins a day. That's 1,095 sins a year. Let's round that off. That's 1,100 sins a year. I'm 74 years old, soon to be 75, but let's just stick with 74 for the illustration. That means doing better than, I've, than I could possibly ever do, being better than I could possibly ever be, being more righteous in my efforts than I can ever possibly be in my own righteousness, I will have accumulated 81,400 sins on my 74th birthday. 81,400 sins against the Holy God. And that's better than I can ever hope to be. So when somebody comes along and says, oh, don't be so hard on yourself, you're not that bad. No, I'm worse than you think. And I have accumulated a mountain of sins against God. And what do I have to offer to God to try to compensate 
for those 81,400 sins. According to Isaiah, filthy rags. Hmm. I need a Savior. We need a Savior. We need Him. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. And by grace, we have trusted Him. In Matthew 24, from last week, we saw that the self-judging sinners, Jesus refers to as His sheep. And He calls them His sheep. And He forgives us, and He justifies us. And the self-righteous sinners, Jesus calls goats and judges them to be goats. And he condemns them. Now the reason I bring that up is because it makes a nice bridge into where we're going tonight. Because Jesus goes from John chapter 9 saying, For judgment I have come into this world, to John chapter 10. He's still in the temple. We're still on that same day that began back in John chapter 7. We've gone through John 7, we've gone through the riot scene, or the alleged, or the attempted riot scene in John chapter 8, where they wanted to lynch him. Through John chapter 9, where as he's leaving the the lynch scene, he heals the man that was born blind. The man that's been born blind has now come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and worships him in exactly the same way he worships God the Father. And Jesus speaking allegedly to the man that was born blind, but actually speaking to the Pharisees, begins with, for judgment I have come into this world. And now he continues in John chapter 10. So follow along as I read the first 21 verses of John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will never follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand those things which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd. He who does not He who is not the owner of the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches and scatters them because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Even as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep which are not from this fold. 
I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice. And they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one takes it away from me. But from myself I lay it down. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my father. A division occurred again among the Jews because of these words. And many of them were saying, he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others, remember Pharisees now, others were saying, these are not the words of someone demon possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? In John chapter 10, the Lord Jesus Christ begins telling the Pharisees and his disciples, who remember are there, and the man who has just received his sight and become a disciple is there. He begins telling them about how he cares for sheep. Look at verse 1. He starts out with, truly, truly, I say to you. Now remember, this is the rabbinical formula. This is how a rabbi would teach. A rabbi would start out by saying, truly, truly, I say to you. Which is another way of saying, listen up. What I'm about to say to you is important. What I'm about to say to you is from the word of God. So Jesus starts out by saying, listen up. He who does not climb, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. He who does not enter by the door into the fold. One of the things I learned this week from the commentaries was that there were essentially two kinds of sheepfolds in Judea in Jesus' day. One would be a community sheepfold. That would be near town, near city. And you would have many shepherds go together, or at least a few shepherds would go together. doesn't determine how many. But they would build this fold with high walls, and it would have a door in it. So it's an enclosure with high walls and a door. And they would hire someone to be the doorkeeper of the sheepfold when they brought their flocks in to keep them there in the fold, to protect them in the fold. There was also another kind of sheep or sheepfold, and that would be one that they would build, let's call it a field expedient sheepfold, where you're out in the wilderness, you're spending several days with your flock far away from a village. And so while they're feeding around there, the shepherd himself would build a sheepfold out of brush, out of thorn bushes, out of whatever he could find. Something to keep the sheep inside so that they wouldn't wander off at night. And something that would keep the beast out so that they couldn't get to the sheep at night. Wouldn't be nearly as big as the community fold, just big enough for his little flock in there. And he would be the door. He would lie down in the opening of that fold. And he would sleep there at night to protect his sheep. The Lord Jesus is sitting there talking about a fold in which there is a doorkeeper, a hired man, community sheepfold. 
There are several flocks in the sheepfold. And the doorkeeper opens the door to the sheepfold only to a shepherd who has sheep in that flock. And he is the one who keeps all the thieves, all the robbers, and all the beasts out. And he says here that he who is not a shepherd, he who does not enter by the door, the thief climbs up in order to get into the sheepfold. So it's got to have a high wall. It's going to require some real effort there. The wall protects the sheep in the fold. But look at verse 3. He says, the, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. In verse 2 he's referring to the, door, to the shepherd. When, but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd who owns the sheep in the fold walks in through the door. Because the doorkeeper opens the door to him. And he walks in and he calls his own sheep. And he calls his own sheep by name. All the sheep in the fold hear his voice. But those who, don't, who aren't his sheep don't recognize his voice. Because they're not his sheep. He is a stranger to them. And so they flee from him when he comes into the sheepfold. They run away from him. But his own sheep hear his voice. They know him. And he calls each one of his sheep by name. Ring eye. Nosy. Brown leg. Come here. And he says in verse 4... He leads them out and they follow him because they trust him. They trust him because they know him. They know that he is their shepherd. He's going to take care of them. They're going to be well fed. They're going to be well watered and they're going to be protected. And so they follow him because they know his voice. This is my shepherd. Now what is Jesus getting at? With this figure of speech it says here that he used. What's all this about sheepfolds and shepherds and thieves and uh, doorkeepers and all this? I mean, almost everybody that was hearing this would have known all this. This, this is common knowledge. So, what's it all about? Verse 6 says, they didn't understand. They didn't understand what he was getting to. It's almost as if they said, yeah, uh, we know all this, so what's the point? Well, here's the point. The point is that Jesus is describing how people become his sheep. His trusting disciples. And verses 7, we're only going to go down through verse 6, but verses 7 through 18, we'll elaborate on that later. Now, remember, Jesus is talking to Jews. That's important. He's talking not only to those that John calls the Jews, that would be the religious elites, those who are against him, those who are, who are his enemies, although some of them apparently are beginning to have second thoughts about whether or not he is a phony. Some of them are beginning to think maybe this could possibly be who he claims to be. 
But among the Jews, you had his enemies, the Jewish elites, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, but also the common people. Remember, it's the common people that keep coming to hear him when he's teaching. It's the common people that come to him, for the most part, for healing. And that benefit from all his, his miracles. And it's the common people that are being convinced that he is the Messiah. Now they're not convinced yet. But as they hear his words and they hear him teach with authority. With authority that comes from within himself. And they see these miracles of healing. They're becoming convinced he is the Messiah. So he's talking to the Jews. All of these who are adherents to temple Judaism. Now you know what I'm saying when I say a temple Judaism? That would be the Judaism of the Old Testament. The Jewish religion of the Old Testament that revolved around the temple. The sacrifices, the rites, the rituals, the feasts, the festivals, all of those things. It all revolved around the temple. They're all part of temple Judaism. Temple Judaism is the fold that all of them are in. And what Jesus is doing is he's talking to those who are various flocks within the fold. Some of them would have been from Rabbi Shammai's flock. Rabbi Shammai was the strict interpreter of the law. He was one of the, one of the two chief rabbis in Israel at the time, or in Judah at the time. And he would have been the one that was the strict or stricter interpreter of the law and tradition. Or others would have been adherents to Rabbi Hillel's flock. And Rabbi Hillel, he was more lenient. He, he was more broad. He was more liberal in his interpretation of the word of God and of the traditions. And some others might have been in neither Shammai or, or Hillel's flocks. They may have followed some other rabbi that, that taught something different. But these are all flocks within the fold. Are you with me so far? Judaism is the fold. The people that Jesus talks to, these are all members of various flocks, sheep in various flocks. And Jesus is calling his sheep out from all the other flocks in Judaism. He's calling his disciples out of all of the various flavors of temple Judaism. And Jesus calls his disciples, his sheep, by name. How does he know their names? Now you remember John 6.37. All that the Father has given me will come to me. He knows their names because the Father has given each and every one of them to him. When did the Father give each and every one of these sheep, each and every one of these disciples to the Lord Jesus Christ? Ephesians chapter 1 helps us with that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. 
God the Father gave Jesus each of his sheep, each of his disciples, before the foundation of the world. Now, note that all the Jews hear his voice. But those who are not of Jesus' flock, those who were not given to the Lord Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world, flee from him. He's a stranger to them. He's a threat. But Jesus leads his own sheep out, out of the fold, out of Judaism, out of dependence on rites and rituals and sacrifices. All of these things that God had given in the Old Testament to be preparers, to be, that's a bad word, I don't think there's such a word as preparers, to be things that would point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. The temple itself, the tabernacle, all of the sacrifices, all of the feasts, all of the purity codes, everything that was preparing his people for his own son. And Jesus leads his own flock out of that and they follow him. But wait a minute, what about us? Jesus is talking to Jews. They're in the fold of temple Judaism. We're not in that fold. We're not part of temple Judaism. We're down in verse 16. Where Jesus says, I have other sheep which are not from this fold. That would be temple Judaism. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice. And they will become one flock with one shepherd. What about us? Jesus calls us out of the world, out of the fold, of, out of our fold rather, the same way he calls the Jews out of temple Judaism. You see, he's calling us out of the world. The fold that we're involved in, the fold that we're part of, the fold that we call home is the world. Every baby born is born into this world, what we would call this present evil system of things. That's run by the prince of the power of the air. And everyone that's in the world. Everyone born naturally. Everyone that's been born only once. Just physically. Is either in a flock that's a secular flock. That is they don't think about God. They don't need God. In their minds what they've been taught and what they like to hear is this is all there is. This life is all there is. You are nothing, you are born. You live for a span of years, you die, and you become nothing again. This is all there is. If there's going to be any pleasure, if there's going to be any attainment, if there's going to be any satisfaction, if there's going to be any meaning, it's going to be now. Because when you're dead, there's nothing. There's no God. There's no heaven. There's no hell. This is it. You die and you lose everything because you become nothing. And as Alistair Begg said in such a beautiful way, if all there is is now and this is all you have and you're going to lose it all when you die, 
have a nice day. But when those who are secular, when those who think that all that there is is just now, and that there is no soul, there is no life after death, either in heaven or in hell, when they hear Jesus' voice in preaching or in teaching or in personal witnessing, they flee. Because he's a threat. He's a threat to their deception, self-deception, and to their self-indulgence. Or there's the flock of religion. We had the flock of secularism. The other flock that we find in the world is the flock of religion. That includes all the non-biblical world religions like Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism and every other form of idolatry. And then all the perversions of biblical faith, such as Judaism and Roman Catholicism and Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and liberals who deny everything that the Bible has to say except that there is some God somewhere and he, she, or it sure is nice. We have to understand that Satan is in the religion business big time. That's why there's so many. He offers plenty of religions to choose from. And there's new items on the menu regularly. And it doesn't matter which religion you choose. So long as you trust in yourself. And what you can do to make you right with God. And as long as you stay away from the Lord Jesus Christ. So when the religious hear Jesus' voice in preaching. Or in teaching. Or in personal witness. They flee because he's a threat to their puffed up self-esteem and their own self-righteousness. And yet, in spite of all the deception from Satan and this world and our own culpable flesh, Jesus calls his own sheep out by name and he leads them out of the fold. Now please notice who calls who. It's, God is always the one who takes the initiative. In Luke 19.10 it's put like this. The Lord Jesus says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He left heaven and came to earth seeking those who were lost. Seeking those whom the Father had given him from before the foundation of the world. And he calls his own sheep by name. Those that were given to him. Those who are, listen, already his before they ever come to him. They're given to him because we were such sterling specimens of godliness. Yeah, like in chapter 3 verse 19 that we love darkness more than light because our deeds were evil. Or in Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead in trespasses and sins in which we once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Or Romans chapter 8, 9, uh, chapter 8, verse 9. That we were hostile to God. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says we were ungodly. Ungodly.
godly. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says we were enemies of God. Now why would the father give such rotten sinners to his son? It's because all he has. That's all he has to work with. That's who all of us are. That's how we're born. And also that in the ages to come he might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The Lord Jesus calls his own sheep. His own sheep. Those that the Father gave him. And he calls his own sheep by name. That means he calls us personally. When we hear the call, all men hear a call. You remember Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a general call. We heard that. Didn't mean anything to us. But when he calls you, when he calls Pam, when he says Alan, when he says Pat, then we hear him. Then we recognize him. And the question is, when he calls us by name, why didn't we flee? Because we're just like all the others. We're either in the fold of secularism or we're in the fold of religion. They all fled. Why didn't you flee? Well, some of us did as long as all we heard was whosoever. But when we heard our name, when the Holy Spirit gave you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, when he took the heart of stone out of your flesh and gave you a heart of flesh, when he put his spirit in you, when you were born again by the Spirit of God, when you heard his word preached or when you heard his word taught after that, then you heard his voice in his word. And you recognized him. You recognized him for the first time as your shepherd. You recognized him for the first time as your maker. You recognized him as your savior who died for your sins. You recognized him as your God. And when he led you, when he called you by name, you followed him. Now you run before, but when he called you by name, when he called you personally, when the Holy Spirit dealt with you, you, you followed him. And we keep on following him all the way to eternal life. Now, please remember this. In verse 4, he calls all of his sheep. He calls all of his sheep. He says when he brings out all of his own, he goes ahead of them. We need to put things back in perspective. We've been very up close and personal and cuddly so far. Talking about he calls you by name. You heard him calling you by name. But it's not just about you. It's not just about us. The Lord Jesus Christ is calling each and every one for whom he died personally. He's building his church. 
out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And he's calling them one by one by one. He's calling a multitude that no man can number. And he's still calling one by one by one in his time. That's why we never give up praying and waiting and trusting that the Lord Jesus will work in the hearts of those that we love who are still lost. Because he's still calling. And he will call everyone that's been given to him. Now they may flee from him today. But maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Finally. Please notice that all of this is God's doing. Please notice that all of this is God the Son's doing. He's the one who entered. Entered the fold. He entered the world. To call you. He's the one who called you by name. That is he called you personally. He is the one who singled you out. We call that election. He's the one who called you out. When you were dead in trespasses and sins. We call that unconditional election. He gave you ears to hear. He gave you ears to hear. Eyes to see. And he led you out of this world system. Into his marvelous light. God did it all. The Father gave you to His Son before the foundation of the world. The Lord Jesus bought us with His own blood, with His own life, with His own sufferings. <coughs> and He called us out of the world. And the Holy Spirit gave us ears to hear and eyes to see and faith to follow the Lord Jesus Christ when we heard Him call us. God did it all and God deserves all. He deserves all the glory, all the praise. He deserves all of us and all that we have. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Would you stand with me, please? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. And we are dismissed.